We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. From the Clark Ford Studio in Oxford, Mississippi, MBW Digital proudly presents the Oxford Exxon Podcast. I'd say thanks for tuning in. But why am I going to give you a round of applause for something you're supposed to do, to be frank? And now, here are your hosts, Chase Parm. And broadcast school has really paid off. And Neil McCready. I deserve to be on TV. Welcome in to this Monday morning Oxford Exxon podcast. Chase Parm, Neil McCready. Sort of the Clark Ford studio, still remote this morning. Neil was recovering. He's making progress, head of schedule, dominating the therapy and all those kind of things. So we'll talk some basketball today, Ole Miss and Auburn. Over the weekend, the uh, Rebels fall 91-77 to against a really good freaking basketball team at the Pavilion. So we'll discuss uh, the game, the environment, the road now ahead as Ole Miss. Uh, they're at South Carolina, 5.30 Central start on that tomorrow night, by the way. We can't get those for home games. If I got on the road, we get the midweek uh 5.30 start there in Columbia at the uh, Colonial Center, I believe is what that is called there uh, in, in Columbia, South Carolina. And then at Kentucky the next Tuesday. So Saturday off for the Rebels. And then the next Tuesday they got a couple before they uh, face Missouri at home, which will be a win in a, in a, in a, in a little less than a couple of weeks. Missouri even losing to Vanderbilt and Columbia on Saturday. So we'll look at the SEC. Ole Miss baseball suffered quite the pitching loss. Over the weekend, Xavier Rivas out for the season with a uh, torn UCL. Tommy John surgery coming for uh, definitely what was going to be either a number one or number two starter for the Rebels this season. So we'll discuss that a little bit, what that looks like. And then uh, tons of content at rebelgrove.com since the last time we talked to you. I mean, really just uh, a lot. Recruiting over the weekend, some baseball stuff. Neil's story on Kyle Wakefield, who's kind of taken the conference in the nation by storm. He's got 10 thoughts. Uh, I posted three things this morning, including a look at who replaces Rebus, kind of what that looks like from an Ole Miss rotation as uh, as well. So, again, if you're not a subscriber, not a reader of rebelgrove.com, look, it's cheap. You can afford it no matter who you are or what you do. So come hang out with us, enjoy, and uh, take part in the, the merriment that is uh, rebelgrove.com. There on uh, on this morning, the Oxford Exxon, Oxford Exxon podcast, uh, Tyway 6 West, Beer Cave, lunch specials, and then coming up, Super Bowl, anywhere that they have a, uh, a Sweet Daddy's, you know, you can get the pulled pork, the ribs, the specials, we'll give you those as the week goes on, but you're going to get some specials through the Oxford Exxon and all Blue Sky locations that have that ability so uh, let them help you with your catering, again, ribs, side items, desserts, and more, you uh 
Maybe you care about the game. Maybe you care about Taylor Swift. Maybe you just want to eat good food and hang out with some buddies. Either way, you can get uh, some ribs and pulled pork there from the Oxford Exxon. And Neil will tell you a little bit about Clark Ford. Yep, Clark Ford's in Amory, Mississippi, 662-257-1900 is the number. Call it. Ask for our friend Corey Clark. Tell Corey what Ford product you're looking for. He'll send you a quote within 15 minutes in business hours. It's right to the bottom line. It's no hassle. There's no haggle. You get your quote, and uh, the rest is up to you. You can shop that quote around. You can do what I've done, what I recommend that you do, and that is hop into a Clark Ford today. 662-257-1900. Corey and the people at Clark Ford. They want to be your car guy. They want to be your truck guy. You'll find out what that means when you make the call. 662-257-1900. We'll have some guests at some point this week on the uh, Campbell Clinic hotline. The Campbell Clinic is in Oxford now, 2608 South Lamar Boulevard, Suite 102, just across the street from the cottages at Hooper Hollow. The Campbell Clinic provides full-service orthopedic care, everything from sports medicine to foot and ankle surgery to spine and total joint care, to pediatric orthopedics and physical therapy, and more. To book an appointment, go to CampbellClinicOxford.com or call 901-759-3111. Walk-ins always welcome at the Campbell Clinic, Monday through Friday, 7.30 a.m. until 4 p.m. So, jump into college basketball first. Again, Ole Miss, 91-77. Auburn, the uh, the winner, the Rebels took a seven or nine point lead into the half. They'd been very very hot from the field in the first half, and you know you, I, I walked, um, I kind of walked out of my seat and down at halftime, and was talking to some people, and it, it was, you had sort of like the, the the two sides of things at, at that point. I'd run into people who were just like very score dependent and went, hey, wow, up seven, up nine, this thing's rolling, and then you talk to the people, it goes. We're screwed. Because <laughs> if like, everything had gone in, Auburn had not made a lot, and you looked up at the rebounds and you went, oh, my God, they're getting crushed on the boards, uh, all these different things. And then it, it, it certainly turned from uh, from that point. I, maybe you have the exact numbers, but I think Auburn shot 73% from the field in the second half. They just dominated inside. Um just lit things up uh, in the post in all ways, points, rebounds, and and took control. They came out of the break. They erased the lead pretty quickly. And then it was kind of back and forth there for a while. But for the most part, Auburn had, did take control. And then they dominated the last 10 minutes um, to pull out that win there, 91-77 Ole Miss, uh, losing its fourth games of the season and then falling to 5-4 and four in the SEC. You know, I – it's been an interesting reaction um, because I'm not, we're not going to spend a ton of time. i got a couple game-specific questions that even I have, so I'm going to let you answer those. But beyond that, it's not really a minutia-type conversation today. Auburn's a team that can absolutely get into the second weekend, can challenge beyond that, and, and they were the better basketball team on Saturday, and it's what Bruce has built over a long time there. But so we'll start there, get it out of the way, because i got a couple big-picture things, too. Um I'm assuming you felt the same way, that even when they went into the half, Auburn was certainly in in control. Uh, Strictly matchups, Sharp didn't play, obviously. That does hurt them in the post. Cissé had to be very careful. Um, Some different things there. Marshall was whatever. But in general, that's just simply a matchup that is too difficult for Ole Miss at this juncture of the program, right? Yeah. Yeah. Auburn's better than Ole Miss. If they played 100 times, Ole Miss would win a couple. But it would be freaky. The game was lost in the first half. Um, Ole Miss came out 
playing pretty well, shooting the ball pretty well. Um, they had Auburn sort of playing the game they wanted Auburn to play, which was more of a perimeter game. And I don't remember the exact number, but I want to say Auburn had it was either 11 or 13 points that they got off missed threes. Man, you, you can't give that up. You, you can't give up second chance points like that. Um, and then, including their first two threes of the game when Ole Miss was hot and was trying to kind of run away from them, and it still was like eleven to six because Auburn got those two big rebounds that turned into threes right there. You, you had a chance if you would have handled the glass at all to have a 17, 18 point first half lead, which in the second half would have still been difficult to maintain, but it would have given you a better shot, and it might would have taken some of the steam out of out of Auburn, some of the wind out of their sails at the half. But look, Janai Broom's going to play professionally. Ole Miss doesn't really have anyone that can guard him. Uh, in the second half, they uh, they got, as Chris said after the game, paint touch after paint touch after paint touch. Their passing was very crisp, and they were making shots. And when you shoot that well, it's two things. One, you're hot. And two, you are getting open looks. Um, they were getting open looks. One open look after another open look. And then on the other end, Ole Miss was really, and you saw this right out of the gate in the second half, Ole Miss was really having to work offensively. They were having to expend a lot of energy offensively. And then Auburn's a deep team. It gets talked about, but I don't know that people really understand it. They play 10 guys at least 15 minutes. That means nobody's playing more than 26, 27 minutes because do the math. And they're fresh. And I thought late in the game, and Chris talked about it afterwards, but late in the game you saw a shift in body language. Ole Miss got tired, uh, got a little beaten down, got a little frustrated. And uh, Auburn went for the kill and got it. I mean, they 27, really 25, 25, 26, 26 for the five guys. It's just it's remarkable. You know, um, they're a deep club. They're really good. And uh, Bruce is a terrific coach. He's been there a long time. He has established a culture. Uh, they're tough. Um, and, and, you know, they were due a road win, and, and they went and got it. And I think they fed off the crowd a little bit late. They kind of fed off silencing the crowd a little bit late. And, uh, yeah, you, you talked about them being a second weekend sort of team. Um, they are, for sure. I mean, you never know what's going to happen in the tournament, what kind of draw you get or don't get or, or that kind of stuff. But, I mean, if you told me that Auburn's an Elite Eight team in, in late March, I certainly buy it. So – this is where I get lost a little bit. Um, I talk about I don't know basketball the way I do, certainly baseball and football even to an extent. There in the second half, everything for Ole Miss the last 12 minutes for sure, everything was running through Flanagan and the ball was sticking on Allen. What was causing that? Um, I mean, I'm sure they were certainly trying to take Juju out of the game. But even yeah. he, he got tentative too, though. He had a few spots where he could have thrown something up that he would have on Tuesday night and he did it. What was – because it, it – from the very rudimentary eye, it looks like Flanagan is becoming a ball hog, but I know it's much more complicated than that. Why was the ball sticking there with him late? 
Well, and th- this is where I don't know that they have enough playmakers to really – they don't have enough guys. Like if you uh, – you don't watch a lot of NBA, I know. A lot, a lot of times in the NBA you'll see they run offense and then they get to seven seconds left on the shot clock and it's like, all right, this play didn't work. Go create something. Ole Miss doesn't have a lot of those guys. That's not Matt Morrell's game. That's not Alan Flanagan's game. Um I don't really think it's Brandon Murray's game. It, 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 is, it is Juju Murray's game to an extent, but Auburn put bigger bodies on him, and they put new bodies on him. They put fresh bodies on him. They threw multiple looks at him. They wanted to get the ball out of his hands, and then once they got it into somebody else's hands, they didn't want to let him get it back. You see it a lot. Uh, with guard-oriented teams in the NBA, guys who have uh, high-scoring guards, you'll see a double thrown at them in the half court. They want to get the ball out of that guy's hands, and then they play uh, deny. They deny him the ball back, run the shot clock down, and somebody else has to go take a shot. And you saw that with Ole Miss a lot. Man, they were really having to work in the second half to get possessions. And so that ends up looking like um, – you end up looking like the ball's sticking because it is, but it's not sticking intentionally. It's not Kobe Bryant where you're like, hey, throw it to Kobe. Y'all yeah. clear it out. Michael Jordan, throw it to him, clear out. He might stand there for 10 seconds and dribble, but he's just surveying. Uh-uh. They're, they're, they're panic ball. I thought you saw some panic shots in the second half, some late shot caught. Someone's got to take it. That's just not Allen Flanagan's game. So people talk about Allen being a, a liability. Listen, if I, Allen Flanagan's not on this team, we're not even talking about basketball anymore right now. Um, he, he was critical for them in the non-league. He's he also crit- had two buckets early in the second half that that thing gets out of hand quicker if he doesn't. Yes. He gets the three, comes back down, and maybe it was an and one or something, but he had two buckets there early in the second half that kind of kept it going a little bit. His game's not built on him being the primary scorer. His game's built on him being like the third or fourth scorer. And the problem for Ole Miss is that that's kind of Jamin Breakfield's game too. Cissé's not an elite offensive player. It's, you've got to create offense for him. Matthew Morrell's game in an ideal world is he's the number two scorer. They just don't have that dude unless it's Juju Murray, which is a lot to ask of, of him to, hey, come in, new league, new team, new position. New position, yeah. Do it every night. Do it every night in the, in the SEC. That's a lot to ask. I mean, that, that, is, that is a really tall ask. Um, and look, at the end of the day, the big picture is this. They're five and four at the turn. They had to win one of the home games last week, and they did. They won one of them. Would it have been great to win two of them? Sure. Would the, the the atmosphere on Saturday have been amazing at the end if Ole Miss would have found a way to, to, to beat Auburn? Of course. That was Bruce Pearl's seventh season. This is. This is Chris Beard's first. There's a big, I mean, I'm not trying to be – I'm not trying to talk down to anybody. There's a big difference between seven years and one year in a program. And Bruce said as much. And Bruce is – look, Bruce is a great guy. He's a nice guy, and he's a typical basketball coach where if he can find a way to compliment the other guy, he's going to. 
but he wasn't providing lip service when he talked about the culture change at Ole Miss. Bruce would never say this because he likes Kermit and all that stuff, but he's coached he's coached enough games at, at in Oxford and at the Pavilion to know that that was different on Saturday. And Chris has done a terrific job, but they don't. There's no Janai Broom on the Ole Miss team. There, there's not that guy. What Auburn was able to do in the second half, hey, you need a bucket, let's go to the paint. Let's post him up. He's got these variety of moves. I thought one of the best plays he made, uh, Broom, they got the ball to him down on the left block. Cissé did a pretty good job on mm-hmm. him. He sort of regathered. Mm-hmm. He looked over, and I can't remember who the shooter was, but he yep. spotted the shooter wide open, kind of on a diagonal pass. He made a crisp pass into the shooting pocket, and dude knocks down a three. And that was, to me, it was like a dagger. That was like an NBA play. That's a play you see at the high levels where you see talented post players draw the double team, maybe even sort of draw a triple team a little bit, see an open shooter, wait for the right moment. And they don't just pass it to them. They pass it to them in the shooting pocket. There's more to them just... You saw some passes from Ole Miss in the second half that were kind of erratic. The ball's bouncing mm-hmm. on the ground. Guys are picking it up. Well, you're not getting a focused look at the bucket in, the, in that regard. I, I thought Broom was the key to the game. I just thought he was terrific. I think he's a great player, and um, he just had his way. And, he, and listen, Ole Miss isn't the only team that Janai Broom has his way with. And I just thought he had a really focused uh, second half, and they have a lot of guys who can make buckets. And they shot well, and sometimes shooting well becomes contagious. And you're getting a lot of really good looks, and you're taking a crowd out of a game. And there's a reason that they're ranked where they are, and there's a reason that they are um, where they are in the league. And there's a reason that, that nobody wants to play them in the, in the postseason. They, they're they're, they're going to be a handful for somebody. Ole Miss is 61 in the net at the uh, at the turn here as we talk about this. And look, it, it, again, when we're doing the math, you said it, but I'm just it bears repeating. You're talking about getting a 9 or 10 wins. That's what you're talking about. That's what we've been talking about the whole dang time. And probably 10. Yeah. Based on it's, the net, probably 10. And if you're trying to get there, there's still a path to that. You have one home game left that you're not a considerable favorite to whatever degree, and that's Alabama. They're damn good. Yeah. They come to Oxford. Well, beyond South that, Carolina, you're okay South on Carolina too. South yeah. Carolina too. They got because they they've won at Tennessee. They got Alabama and South Carolina at home. Carolina's a must-win, though. You can't lose that game and get there. Well, not unless you pick up a game somewhere else. So the games that yeah. that were sort of that were sort of penciling as losses, right, are at South Carolina, at Kentucky, at Mississippi State, which I'm not really ready to pencil in as much anymore. That's a potential steal. But if you can steal one of those, well, that changes your calculus. But if you don't steal a game, your path to 10 wins is beat Missouri twice, beat South Carolina or Alabama at home, win at Georgia, and beat Texas A&M at home. Now, that's not easy, but it's doable. It's a pretty wide road. Um, They're analytically favored in four more. So that gets you to nine, then you got to get one. If you get to ten, you're going to get in. And they're going to have to play well. But look, they don't play Auburn again. And I think there's a strong case to be made for Auburn being no worse than the second best team in the league. 
Auburn and Tennessee, I don't know when they play each other, but hopefully I haven't missed it already. But when they play, hopefully I'm, I'm someplace where I can watch that. That 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 should be a hell of a game. Again, 5.30 tomorrow, Ole Miss at South Carolina. Very difficult task. Carolina continues to play incredibly well under Lamont Paris uh, in his second season. They are, and they're playing well. And, and give Lamont Paris a ton of credit. And give that team a ton of credit. They, they, it has been a sea change. But now, look, they're not as talented as Tennessee, <laughs> as Auburn, as Alabama. You know, there's a chance – there's a chance that there's a regression to the mean coming for them. Mm-hmm. We'll see. I mean, you got to play really well. The problem that they present is that they're big, they're physical, uh, and they're going to watch that Auburn film, and they're going to try to do a lot of the same stuff. They're going to try to really pa- get a lot of paint touches. I assume Jamarian Sharp will be back. It was an illness, not an injury. But he's been dealing with it for like two weeks now. He wasn't 100% even against Arkansas. Yeah. But, you know, if you can get some minutes out of him, that's five fouls. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I thought Cissé played well. I really did. I thought he had a good game. I just that's, – that's a that's a tall order. Yeah. And, and I'll spend – do a little bit of therapy session, and this is not a huge section of the fan base. But yesterday losing – or Saturday losing that game did not diminish what has been built quickly or the environment <laughs> no. of that game in any way. That was a hell of an environment on Saturday. They did a great job. I mean, I – There were even little subtle differences to the game script from a game op standpoint that all landed. I thought it was thought it was great. Like they just didn't win the game, but it didn't change the fact that it was the second largest crowd in Pavilion history. Tuesday was the largest crowd in Pavilion history, and it was the best environment in the Pavilion's history on Saturday. It was even better than Tuesday. I mean, Auburn didn't overtake the arena. They did the powder out. The little light thing worked with the little blue tint thing to it. All that kind of stuff, like. That is a credit that you build on and continue. It didn't go, hey, they lost the game, scrap it, done. No, just calm down. It's all right. Keep keep moving. Chase, if here. it were easy, if it were easy, everyone would do it. Yeah, there you go. All I right. mean, you know, it's a there's a life <laughs> lesson, like right? You you tell your you tell your kids, you know, all the time when they I remember um, you know, Campbell was her freshman year in college. She had finite math and she had business law and she had all this stuff and she was overwhelmed and she was like so i'm thinking about switching majors and we had to have that speech about look if it were easy everybody would do it if it were easy nobody would fail rebuilding a basketball program from three and 15 Mm -hmm. is not easy it might take a minute it's again why I thought Bruce Pearl's comments after the game were so uh, eloquent. He's like, Chris has done in six months what it took me three years to do at Auburn. Yeah. Why, no why, portal why back we, then. Why do we not believe that? You know, yeah. when, when he took over at Auburn, they sucked. For three. There were you people know, questioning it going, God, they're still 11th in the league. What's up? Yeah. I mean, Bruce can't remember, get there was done. a stretch – there was a stretch where Ole Miss under Kennedy won like nine in a row or eight in a row or something like that. I don't know, a bunch against Auburn. That was becoming an automatic win. Well, I mean, yeah, Kermit was like a kryptonite to Bruce for a couple of years there. It was, yeah, I mean, he, he, he's, he's, you know, I mean, it's, this is going to take a minute, but no, the environment was terrific. You had what kids waiting 
four hours before the game, five hours before the game. First kids in in. line at 11.30. That's five and a half hours before tip-off. Last year, they could have shown up five and a half seconds before tip-off and still gotten T-shirts and front row seats. (laughs) I mean, that's a... That's a remarkable accomplishment. No, look, they they got beat by a better team, period. But the environment was terrific. So the challenge for Ole Miss now is when you come home next, when you play Missouri, which is not Auburn, which is not Mississippi State, you don't have the rivalry, you got to do it again. You got to fill it up for that game. That's what they've done at Auburn. No matter who they play at Auburn, man, that place is packed. At worst, is- you got to get back to 6-6 six and six in the SEC and have a good home environment and get going. Yeah, yeah, but they're – they had to win one last week. They did. Anybody who thought, yeah, they're going to sweep the week. Okay, you're really being optimistic right now. I mean, you're really putting on your, in this case, powder blue glasses. And, and maybe, but home against Mississippi State and home against Auburn was going to be a tough task. You had to get one. And they did. And so now you go into the second half. You've got to beat Missouri twice. That gets you to seven. You, you've got to beat Texas A&M at home. That's eight. And and at Athens is becoming more winnable by the minute. By the minute. I think you've got to win there. I watched a good bit of Georgia the other day. They they play hard, but they're having a really tough time getting over the hump in games. It's happening consistently. Well, that gets you to nine. And then you're going to have to earn one. You know, I mean, Alabama's really good. I watched them the other – they just disposed of Mississippi State. 99-67. Alabama's defensive performance in the first half was elite. Um, you're going to have to earn that one. The game at Mississippi State, like I mentioned, look, I don't know. I don't know. You watch them play, and I've watched them play a good bit, and they're good, and the metrics still say they're in good shape, but they're 3-6 and six in the league, and Chase, sometimes scoring for them is hard. And, and you know, they'll be better at home, of course. Uh, but I'm not ready to just – analytically look at that game and go, oh, yeah, that's an L. Even though typically I'm always say, hey, it's in Oxford, Ole Miss wins. If it's in state, if it's in Starkville, state wins. But it's doable. But you're going to have to go earn one, whether it's against South Carolina at home, whether it's at South Carolina, you're going to have to go earn a game. It's not – that's the league now. Making the tournament is not just walking into it, Yeah, especially with what they have going on right now. If it were that easy, everyone would do it. And you look around, I mean, look at – Look at the league right now. Missouri was in the tournament last year. Now that what, 0-9, 0-8? Arkansas was two Elite Eights and a Sweet 16 the last three years. And they're imploding. They're a a carnival ride and not a good one, like where you're not buckled in. (laughs) Um, I mean, you know, it's it's not easy. There's there's not – it's a tough slog. You knew it would be, and here here you go. But at least – Hey, at least you're in it. Yeah. It's this time last year you weren't in it. Last thing on that. Yeah, look, Sharp gets getting back and giving any minutes to let's breakfield play more of his real position. He had to play so much more post and was just taken out of the game on Saturday. It was it was a bad situation inside all the way around. The matchup and the bodies that Ole Miss had available. That was yeah. a bit of a baptism for Marshall in there. It was, and he he was overwhelmed in spots. Mm-hmm. You know, again, sometimes you have to tip your cap to the other team. And that was one of those nights. They had an elite second half. Yeah. They had a final four caliber second half. 
Bruce, I promise you, would love to take that second half, put it in a bottle, and have it at his disposal whenever he wanted down the stretch. Because that, if they can play like that for extended periods of the time, they're, they're going on a long run. You mentioned the Vols. They go into Lexington and win 103-92, causing Kentucky to go 0-2 at home on its week. Uh, the Wildcats now 5-4 and in the SEC. The, Wild, the uh, Volunteers 6-2. and 103-92, and honestly, it kind of looked like Auburn Ole Miss a little bit. Tennessee just dictated the second half, never let Kentucky get any type of uh, momentum going whatsoever. And, I mean, physically, that was kind of an ass-kicking on Saturday in, in, in Rupp, honestly. That was, was, that was a mess. Well, not not kind of. Yeah, that that was the worst thing that happened to Tennessee to, to Kentucky last week was Tennessee lost to South Carolina. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that was bad, dude. <laughs> that was bad news. Tennessee uh, was focused. Yeah, Cal was probably watching that game going, I'd like the balls to win this by thirty eight right now. I'd like no for them doubt. to Tennessee was locked in and they can do a lot of things on both ends of the court. They are a they're a Look. they're a they're a group of adults, man. Look, I know the bodies they have. We all know the talent. And if Ole Miss loses this game by 29, that's fine. I'm not predicting anything. I'm not completely that Ole Miss can't go play into Rupp right now because Rupp gets weird as hell if that game's close. They're getting more pissed off with Cal by the day. And he's starting to do these little things. And, you know, on the grand scale, does it really matter? No. But he's doing this, while it might even be true to some extent, some excuse making, hey, we just got to get healthy, we're young, I love my blah, 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 all that crap. And then Kyle Tucker pointed it out, and Kentucky fans notice everything with that basketball program. Like, Kyle was avoiding some post-game interviews and stuff on Saturday, and it's like, oh, no. Mm-hmm. Just, but, just. Again, like we talk about stealing one, that's one that you could steal. You've seen that now. Two dang Other good people teams have did gone it, up but, there and won. People have yeah. gone up there and won this year. You can go up there and win. Got to play well. But their their fans kind of they're there to see Kentucky. Mm-hmm. And if Kentucky plays well, they'll applaud them. And if Kentucky plays poorly, <laughs> they'll turn against them. Yeah. And um, <laughs> you can you can be on the floor when that happens against them. And they're a young team. You know, I mean, and I've told you, I don't know that they adjust in-game as well as some other teams do. In fact, I know they don't. Yeah. And that game against Tennessee, that that thing was on its way to a 20, 25-point game. You uh you mentioned it multiple times. I said the score a second ago. Alabama 99-67 over the Bulldogs. The Tide now 8-1 and one in the SEC. They're ahead in the league. Mississippi State three and six now. They've got winnable games, but by God, they better win them. They're losing absolutely all the margin they have. They were down 47-24 at halftime there at uh, Coleman Coliseum. LSU routed the Razorbacks 95-74 in Baton Rouge. They were up 15 at the half and then coasted in from there. You mentioned uh, Georgia. Mike White now four and five in the SEC after the hot start. South Carolina wins 72-62 in Athens, Vanderbilt 68-61 over Missouri in a game that I assume no one but half families watched uh, there in uh, in Nashville. The Tigers, uh, 0-9, Vanderbilt 1-7. and And then a hell of a game. Texas A&M does hold serve at Reed Arena, wins the home game 67-66 against Florida. A&M now 4-4 in the league, Florida 5-4 in the SEC. 
my Gators had that game the whole way. And then about 10-minute mark, mark, they just blew it. I mean, I was like, look at us. We're about to be 6-3. and three. We're about to, have like a, about to have a about a 30 net. We're about to we're about to start cruising into the tournament. I was going to be able to start the Todd Golden for President campaign, and then that happened. What Wade Taylor the fourth? He's a bad man. Mm-hmm. Texas A and M doesn't have they don't have a lot, but they, but they got him. Wade Taylor, and he he is mentally that that cat is what you want in a closer. He's what you, he, he's he's what you want in a in a cornerback. He does not remember the last shot. It's I didn't hit the rim. I didn't hit the goal. I don't care. I'm I'm good. Two games on Tuesday again: the Rebels and the Gamecocks, nineteen and three, seven and two for South Carolina. That's five thirty SEC Network Central Time, and then the back half of that doubleheader is Kentucky at Vanderbilt tomorrow night. So uh, Wildcats to get well, healthy in Nashville against the Commodores tomorrow night. They should. That's that should be a get well game. I mean, you got to really generate your own sure. stuff there. Uh, looking the only game Wednesday, and we'll talk about this much more as the week goes on. That really uh is interesting to me, and it is one that's hellaciously interesting. Yeah. Is the Crimson Tide is headed to Neville Arena on Wednesday night? My anticipation is that Auburn's going to pop them. But boy, it's an opportunity for Alabama to kind really of, put a stranglehold on the SEC at that point. Kind of a free shot in a lot of ways because they already held serve at home against Auburn, and they're in great shape at the turn, and they look really good right now. That 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 should be a really fun game. It was pointed out in our stream too that uh, Auburn and Tennessee played just one time this season, and it's in Knoxville, so February twenty eighth at Tennessee for that that game. It's worth watching. So, switch over a little bit. Um, still got a little while before we really start breaking down baseball for dang sure. Uh, they open up the uh, season February 16th. I think it's 16th. Uh, in Hawaii, they play a four-game set against the Warriors out there. They come home. Their um, home opener is that following Wednesday against Arizona State. But the big news happened on Friday night. They were doing an inter-squad. They were going under the lights. And around 7.30 in the second inning of the inter-squad, Xavier Rivas, um tore the UCL in his left elbow. Um, he knew it immediately. I was told by people in attendance that it wasn't the crazy shotgun pop that you hear sometimes and frankly happened to me when I had mine, but there was an audible sound when it happened. Uh, he yelled a couple expletives and then uh, said as he was leaving the field, it's done. So he knew it pretty much immediately there as he as he left. I just I wrote a big profile on him in the summer. I, I feel sick for him. He kind of chose to come back. Um, he had worked on some extra pitches, done a lot of really off season work here to get in the uh, the best uh, situation that he could going into this year. And now Tommy John surgery coming up here soon. It is it is a fact of life in college baseball and all facets. Uh, just. Really overtaking the sport to where I think the teams that win the title are the ones that don't get hurt as much uh, when June gets here for the most part on, on the highest level. But from an Ole Miss standpoint, look, you already knew JT Quinn was going to be a weekend starter. Um, I think you knew that Liam Doyle, the transfer from Coastal Carolina, was probably going to be a weekend starter. And then I think this really brings Grayson Saunier back into focus. Somebody who had a ton of success in high school, was a huge recruit, 
and just struggled as a freshman last year in a league that was very hard to pitch in, period, and especially for freshmen. Um, I talked to Mike on Saturday afternoon. He said that, you know, you're seeing what you want out of those kids that are now sophomores just from a composure standpoint, just handling it better. It's not even about stuff. It's just about you're a year older and you're a little more experienced and, you know, you you see what you got. I'll say this, and I wrote that I wrote it this morning in my little three things deal. Is I think Riley Maddox is the wild card here. He was out with Tommy John last year. Nobody's really seen much of him since midway through his freshman year. And Mike was using him in a bullpen role, but that's not his best role. His, his best pitch is a sinker. That's not really a late game thing at all. I think he's a starter. I think he's a guy that absolutely could impact things as a starting pitcher in this league. But, look, you can't minimize what happened to Xavier Rebus. You can't act like it doesn't matter to this program. It's In today's world of college baseball, you need as many arms as possible. I've written and said this multiple times. Only two pitchers in the SEC averaged 5.4 innings a start or more last year. Brandon Sprode at Florida and Paul Skeens at LSU. You need as many arms as possible to get 81 outs over a weekend, whatever the hell that looks like. And Rebus was going to be a big part of that. So it's it's a... It's a monumental blow. Um, you know, I, I will say this, and most people know this, especially people who follow us every day. And I know, as I as I told Yo that day, Twitter is not real life. Social media is not real life. It doesn't just happen to Ole Miss. It happens to freaking everyone. What has happened to Ole Miss is that they have had a lack of depth on the mound, so it becomes more obvious to their record than it does some teams. Arkansas just keeps losing ace after ace after ace over the course of the last three or four years. Literally, they just the last hammered. The last two years, they've they have lost their ace right about this time. Yeah, Peyton Paulette didn't play; he got hurt. Paulette didn't play. Uh, Jackson Wiggins got hurt, and I mean, yeah. you know, look, he was like. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. He was a little bit erratic, but he was a high potential guy. The Cubs took him in the second round um, and, and are really excited about him. You know, I mean, to your point, what you see out of most teams, Skeens was the exception, frankly, last year. What you see out of most teams is more of a by committee approach to mm-hmm. getting through games. Um, you're getting your starter. Hey, can you get me to the fourth? Can you get me to the fifth? Then I'm going to go to these guys. And so to your point, you're exactly right. When you lose from that inventory, lose volume, your ability to do that over the course of weekend after weekend gets minimized. The The path gets narrower. 
And so that's that's the hard part. Mostly, and you said this off the top, I'll just reiterate it. I hate it for the kid. I don't even know him. I hate it for the kid. I I, I despise injuries. I always feel so bad, especially as I get older and you see your kids and your kids' friends and how hard they work to get ready for a season. And you, you know how hard these kids work and how much they give up. And God, they're on the cusp of the season and you blow your elbow out. And, and that sucks. I mean, it really does. That's, that's, that's who you mostly just, my first thought right now is I just feel sorry for him. I feel sorry for his family. Everybody I know is really disappointed. And then when you're Mike, you, you got to, try to figure it out now i mean the good news and i mean that with like other yeah. than that how was the play mrs lincoln yeah you got a couple of weeks to formulate it didn't happen the day before you left for honolulu for example but you, you're gonna have to trust some guys maybe early that you weren't as prepared to trust they have more depth than last year. They made a point to go get more left-handers, more guys that can play matchups to kind of fix their 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 errors here. Um, but no, it's a it, it's it's a monumental loss. I mean, there's there's no doubt about that. Like, had it happened last year, and I know everybody's going, "Hey, Chase, they went six and twenty-four, idiot!" But they would have been completely done because they had no hope of even putting a path together that makes sense. They do have arms now that at least you can figure out how to make it work in a in a perfect world. Um, I mean, doors. But you see this, yeah. You see this in baseball all the time. It's in, it's more and more with pitching, and it's a problem in the game. Um, you see major league teams. They're trying to. They're 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 not only staffing their major league staff. They're spending a lot of their off season putting together a triple A staff that can kind of go back and forth. You're everyone's building depth because it's a war of attrition. And that's more the case now at the college game than ever before, from what I can tell. I don't know why that is. I don't know whether there's some big picture story that's out there about uh, kids just throwing too much at a too young of an age and all of that stuff. We're so velocity dependent right now. It's just... They're, everyone's trying to throw as hard as possible, and you see guys... At the macro, throwing. we all know it's a problem, but at the micro level, nobody stops it. Our next partner is Athletic Greens. I take AG1 by Athletic Greens literally every day. Give it a try because, look, my diet's not perfect. Not always getting all the vitamins, nutrients, minerals that I need every day. And AG1 can help in that. Makes me feel better like I'm doing something great for my body as well. Because it empowers the gut for whole body health. It's much more than just a greens power powder. It's all of your key health products in one Covering my nutritional basis for my day literally couldn't be any easier, which is why I trust Athletic Greens. I just mix one small scoop of AG1 with water, drink it first thing in the morning, done. Right there, I break my uh, kind of my fast overnight with AG1. It's a great routine. and gets me on with my day. I also like that it costs less than three hours a day. Pretty good if you ask me. It's an effective daily habit with the highest quality source ingredients. It's a win-win. So if a comprehensive solution is what you need from your supplement routine, Give Athletic Greens. They're giving you a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Go to athleticgreens.com slash mpw. That's athleticgreens.com slash mpw. Check it out. Yeah, because if you want to get that college scholarship, when the coaches come to the the showcase, you better hit 96. Mm -hmm. I mean, back there was a time, man, not that long ago, where the, the kid that threw 94, 95, he was a fireballer. And now it's like, oh, he's got a good arm. It's like, what? Yeah. 
And I mean, to consistently throw the baseball 99, 100 miles an hour, that kind of stuff, you, you're, you're, you're taking your biology to its limits. Yeah. Uh, no, Tommy John is not a career ender. Um, if anything, it, it has enhanced some guys' careers. Now, that carries a weird connotation because I frankly think there's some kids who want to have the surgery to try to throw harder after the surgery. I, I think you're having almost a a bit of an epidemic of that where kids are not doing it on purpose, but almost have some elation, frankly, when they get hurt, as long as they can be patient there with that. And it's, 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 it's a bad deal. It's not a great sign. Um, Doors. Yeah. You're just signing as many capable pitchers as possible and then figuring out role. You're not recruiting to middle relief or anything else. You're just taking dudes and then trying to figure out where they can work or where they cannot work. Um, There's, there's no doubt about that. You know, and look, you know, this is going to be the low point this week for Xavier and all that stuff. I mean, Mike said, I mean, he was almost a little emotional with it uh, on Saturday because he said, you know, look, for the program, we've got to figure it out for him. And then he kind of stopped himself and he goes, we'll recover or we'll be all right or whatever he said. He kind of, you know, kind of stopped for a minute. But it's – um. If you're Xavier, you got to get back. You got to get into the comeback, recover mindset quickly. And you look to guys like Josh Mallets and Rowland, Riley Maddox, and goes, "It feels like forever, but it it's not that long. Just go get surgery, and kind of go through your processes, and then as it gets closer and you start working, I think mentally. But yeah, from the excitement and the adrenaline and everything that you kind of had coming right here, because look, I think I think Ole Miss is really going to hit. I like their lineup a ton. I just it's the arms that I keep coming back to to see what it looks like as. Uh, we move forward here toward uh toward Hawaii. Uh, media days on Friday, by the way, um, twelve thirty, I think, something like that. Michael talk, people talk. It is what it is. We've got a couple stories coming prior to that as well. But anyway, that's the baseball thing. Uh, the other one, other injury news, and I do think this is relevant and worth mentioning while I'm on the topic. Campbell Smithwick, the uh, freshman catcher out of Oxford, he's dealing with a stress reaction in his big toe. Um, Mike told me that is a precursor to a stress fracture if you did not get off of it and protect it. He's not in a boot, but he's in a lift, like a metal thing in his shoe to keep it from bending and keep pressure off of it. It's not a long-term injury at all. Uh, Once he comes back and he doesn't feel any pain, he's 100%. He's completely fine. It's not something that lingers, but it does put his season opener in jeopardy there in Hawaii. They're hopeful, but not certain that he'll be back. And look, it is... A place that always has had premier catchers. They're really young. They're really inexperienced there at catchers. So it's something to watch because right now their their current available catchers on the roster are Eli Birch, who is a JUCO transfer from Chipola, originally from Jackson, and then uh, Trenton Lyons, the true freshman out of Memphis. And that's it. That's who their catchers are without Smithwick. So you're talking JUCO transfer who's never called at the D1 level, Freshman, freshman, even with Smithwick back. Smithwick is the starter if he's healthy and playing to his capability. And, I mean, I'm I'm going back through my head. Cooper Johnson might be the only freshman who's ever started for Mike over the course of his tenure at, uh, at catcher. And that was not every day because Fortez caught some that year too. But, anyway, something to watch there. You've got this pitching situation. And J.C. Quinn admitted that there is a big difference in throwing to these guys versus throwing to Calvin Harris, who had been around for so long last year that it's it's – he goes, I'm not saying it's a even a, a detriment when we get into it, but it's certainly something to adjust to because they simply just aren't as seasoned and aren't as understanding of the college game as expected as somebody like Calvin Harris who's been around for years. So, yeah, 
Uh, no, Drew, Tommy John's not 100% to return stronger at all. I mean, it can still be... A, it, it's a surgery. You're taking an, a ligament out of one part of your body and putting it in another part of your body. I mean, it's not some guarantee. It just has become more mainstream. I mean, it's it's the new ACL. So. I don't know how much the Hawaii trip costs, but they'll be all right. They can afford it. It'll 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 be okay. They made one hundred sixty six thousand last year. That'll cover the cost of the of the trip. I mean, think think of how many defensive linemen you could buy with the cost of this trip. I mean, that's I mean, we got to stop. I'm kidding. Look, there is a good chance all the collectives at some point go in house. How you budget, what percentage is going here versus here, will be a fascinating thought process and exercise as we as we move forward. The battle the coaches will have internally. The rivalries will not will no longer be Alabama versus Auburn. It will be basketball versus baseball, football versus yeah. basketball. Yeah. Tell me all about the uh, long snapper, Ole Miss can commit from the number one long snapper in the country over the weekend. He can really snap it, man. Can he? Yeah, oh yeah. Your goal as a snapper is to never be mentioned. You're like an umpire. I hope yep. no one ever knows my name. I want to be a four-year starter and no one be able to tell tell you my name. Yeah. It yep. means things went perfectly smooth. All good. Yep. yep. Did you see the uh, – I thought this was interesting. I wrote about it in 10 Thoughts. You and I sort of talked about it on, I think, Friday when we were talking about something different. Um, ESPN got their – writers Chris Lowe and all those cats to predict the 12 game playoff 12 team playoff every one of them had Ole Miss in it one had them as low as nine one had them as high as six everybody had them six seven for the most part I wrote about this this is going to be a challenge kind of for and I've covered this beat now this will be 17 seasons in the fall how's that feel old but Ole Miss fans, and I'm not criticizing, this is just true, and you guys know what I'm about to say, and you know I'm right, so when you get mad at me, go look in the mirror. They really love the no respect. That That is a fueling thing, and they also kind of love a little bit of us against the world. Nope, you don't have that now. No, the hell you with have- that. Georgia had that against TCU, Neil. Georgia, yeah. nobody believed in us. I mean, I mean, when Lane at some point in in, in August says, you know, nobody believes in us, I'm gonna be like, dude, I've read what? He will no, he, he'll he'll pull a Kirby. He'll look for any little slide in something and go, see? I, yeah, the see? guy the guy that picked him to be ninth, he's gonna be like, see? No, look at that guy. He thinks we suck. Like you're ninth. Um, I mean, it's interesting, really. It's a what it told me, and you and I talked about this, is this season coming up is undeniable. There's a long time between now and then. We'll talk about it, but it's playoffs or bust. It is pass fail. There's no middle ground. It's not telling your kid when he's in pre-calc, ask me how I know. Hey, dude, just can can you get a C? You all right? Can you can you just man? No, no. It's it's you're either going to finish in the playoff. And look, 12 the teams are going to The Citrus Bowl is a failure. Yes. 12 teams are making the playoffs. 11 are going to lose in the playoff. It, it is what it is. But if you make the playoffs, it's a successful season. If you don't, it's failure. And and that's, that is new, new ground for Ole Miss, really. It is. I mean, I, I think you can – maybe you disagree. No, no. Maybe somebody can tell me about the 1960-something season, and I'll just nod, a, nod along – 
But since I've been on the beat, that's new ground. There's never really been a season where, all right, well, here's the deal. We either make this playoff with the elites of the game or it's bad. Nine and three and a trip to the ReliaQuest Bowl is failure. We are not that far removed from that being a really good season. Oh, the, lands the, the landscape has changed. It's. I just thought that was interesting that you will not be able to play the no respect card. I mean, I guess you could say, hey, no one's picking us to win the SEC. Okay. I thought it was a really interesting thought exercise on the board the other day because you have people that think both ways. And it, it, it defines what you're talking about is what is the expectation? What do you actually see as your goal is the guy who goes, would you rather have a bye or would you rather host a first-round playoff game? And it's like you're choosing event over being in a better spot in the tournament. Happy to be here. But, but actually what you're doing, and, I, and it's why, look, the answer is you want to buy because you're trying to win a national championship. But I do get what the guy's saying. He's going, hosting a home playoff game is an experience that is unlike anything else in this program's history and in this school's athletic history, probably. And you'd So have time is that not a really cool freaking thing? And you'd have time to get your team ready. Yeah. You know, you have some time to get everybody healthy. The problem with those championship games is that you got to play a game. Sometimes people get hurt in games. And so, yeah, you come out of that game with the, you know, let's say you win the SEC. You play Georgia or Texas or whatever in Atlanta and you win the game and you get a you get bye. bye. You're banged up as hell when a team comes off of a first round win with momentum. Yeah. When Oregon play. heads to Oxford after they beat. Oklahoma State in the first round, and you go, oh. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, look, the 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 playoffs will be an interesting thing, and there's a story out today that this 12-team playoff might only last two years. Nobody knows what the future of this thing is because the Pac-2 idiots are, are hanging on for dear life, and and <laughs> the ACC's fighting, and Basically, and the, the the groundwork of this is getting laid on an almost daily basis now. The Big Ten and the SEC are beginning to go, you know what? We're in this together, and let's be real. That is that – is No, they both went, said this has nothing. They are vehemently against anyone insisting that has anything to do with a breakup whatsoever. Yeah, I have a – Sankey said that. The new dude for the Big Ten said that. Yeah, yeah, sure. The story today where they're Fingers like, Look. crossed. The story today where they were like, look, we went to Dallas or whatever for the – we were thinking Houston. They went to Houston, met before the championship game, and they're like, hey, we need to have a vote on this, and, but it's got to be unanimous. And the Pac-2 is like, uh-uh. Okay. All right. Have fun. This is, this is not going to last like this. We have, we have the power. We're going to exercise it. The contract expires after 2025. You're guaranteed two years of a 12-team. So you're putting more validity into this partnership than the alliance between the ACC, the Pac-12, and... Yeah, because that was like this post-COVID weird thing. Hey, we're going to all protect ourselves. It's a, it's a, it's a handshake deal. That, hell, they didn't even hand, handshake. It was a Zoom shake deal. Mm -hmm. Well, this is different. Now, this is... We've got this big contract, and you've got this big contract, and let's be real. 
We're the only two leagues that matter. We've got all the power. We can make all the money. Why are we giving 10% to this? Why are we, why are we admitting, why are we agreeing to go into a, a playoff where every team that makes it, that's $4 million for the league. Why are we giving up $8 million right off the bat and then another four when you win and then six and then six? Why are you giving up money so that the ACC can maybe get a second team? They don't deserve a second team. That's what the SEC says, what the Big Ten says. They believe it. They're kind of wondering, why are we Why are we doing this automatic? It's it's ending. It's just not going to happen. I'm, just, I'm My prediction, I feel really good about it. I don't know whether it's 12-team or 16-team or 14-team or whatever, but the SEC and the Big Ten are going to exercise their power. And if that means at some point breaking off and just having their own NFL-style playoff, I could totally buy it. What year would you put on that? 2026. Okay. 2026. The, the, everybody else is running out of time to – just admit your spot in the pecking order. Own it, accept it, deal with it, or you can fight it and, and ultimately lose. Yeah. Try to do the best with it you can, is what I it mean, is. Yeah. The, the Fox and ESPN are not going to get worked up over whether, whether or not they get the ACC runner up in the damn tournament. That that's not going to do it. Did you watch a ton of Pro Bowl yesterday? Pro Bowl? Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, no. I, I it not. Really. I mean, I saw a little bit of the little flag football game. I didn't even see a second of anything. Nothing. I, I, not not really. I was kind of watching. I was watching Suits, if you want to know the truth. I was binging Suits a good Where bit. Where are you at in Suits? Uh, middle of season two. You into it? Yeah, it's pretty good. Okay. I just sort of block out that Meghan Markle is an insane psychopath and just let her... I will be curious as you go to see if you like her or not as time goes on, if you kind of can forget that and let her just be Rachel Zane and not like whatever <laughs> and let it be okay. I, I I'll tell you this. I think you're gonna like it more as it goes because it. it I'm not spoiling it for anybody. I, I know it was the most popular show on Netflix, so I will be a little careful here. I've seen it all the way through. Um, it's so serialized in the middle. Where I mean, in the beginning, where you're just watching an episode and it's almost like Law and Order. It's like they're gonna come up with a great reveal and then this is gonna happen, and you're kind of like, okay, whatever. I will say that it gets a little more heart a little more arc to it as it goes where it turns into more of some sentimentality and the type of show that you probably really get into. So I, I think you're going to really like it as time goes on. Um, it, it, it turns into a little more of a, a show that's not just simply about the procedural of the, of the episode. So yeah, I've enjoyed it so far. It's a good one for I mean, you. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's good for me. It's, it's kind of right on my Pocket's got a good point. You have to accept it's a soap opera. If you can do that, it's delightful. It, you can't consider it prestige TV, where you're like putting it up against Mad Men or something and going, hey, this is the smartest writing I've ever seen, and this is phenomenal. It's like, no, it's kind of a male or female soap opera, and it's 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 smart enough. You'll yeah, be kind can... of entertained. It's not dumb. 
It's okay. You just said the word. You just said the word. It, people make this too complicated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Am I entertained? When I'm laying here with the yeah. ice pack on my knee and I've got yeah. it on, am I entertained for 45 minutes? If the answer is <laughs> yes, then good. If the answer is no, then bad. It, it's not complicated. Yeah. Not everything has to be The Sopranos. No. It's okay. There's lots of stuff that's that's perfectly good that's not critically acclaimed. Mm-hmm. I, um, and you have season nine available on Prime, by the way. Eight seasons are on Netflix, and then the final season is on Prime, so you're good for the, the final season. Oh, I'm good. Whenever you, uh... we're, we're streaming everything, man. Okay. I will say that the final season is a little mailed in, and they're trying to get there, but they, they do kind of an office thing where they're like, hey, we're going to try to fix you though here we're going we're, we're gonna we're gonna try to solve this all for you a little bit so we'll see uh how'd you handle uh how'd you handle apollo creed dying on friday thursday so i didn't Stallone's, know till, i didn't know till friday stallone's video was tough um you know what I found interesting was, to me, he's just Rocky and Apollo. Like, that's my mm-hmm. only place I go with him. But people know Carl Weathers from a lot of different stuff, depending on, you know, where in his career. He was on Arrested Development one episode and was brilliant. I mean, Was but, he really? But to me, he's Apollo Creed. It's tough because, you know, Rocky is a little bit, and I mean the, 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 the franchise, it's a little bit of without age for me because I became such a fan of it as a kid, but it's not like I watched them in theaters. I mean, it's more your era as far as when that came out. I was catching them on VHS, and I mean, I've told the story. I'd go to Ray's rent a movie in Amory, and I would I would go rent Rockies, and you have to like sign the sheet thing when you put it out. It was just my name all the way down it, where I was just getting the Rocky movies over and over and over and over and over again. And I've got all these like almost childhood memories around the series. To where it was ageless, and now for Weathers to die, for Sly to be much older than maybe you think when you don't, you know, when unless you really put your mind to it and think about it in that way, yeah, in the heat of the night. I mean, my great grandmother used to watch in the heat of the night when she would watch me or babysit me or whatever, and I I knew it from that too. Uh, Doris says she's Forbes. I did not remember his name, but yeah, I I I, I don't know. There was something almost to age and people passing away, you know, beyond the Kobe or unexpected, but just getting older that I think you never would have thought this. It's never where my brain would have went, but I think Carl Weathers is one of the evidence of that and something that kind of affected me in that way. That's, that, that's remarkable. So it, it, it sucks. I mean, I think that's the, the only kind of main thought I had as, as, as I saw it and happened. Cause you know, what was he? 76. Dad, right. 76. Okay. Yeah. Um, man, I, it hit me like Friday afternoon. I had I'd spent Thursday on that Wakefield story pretty intense, like pretty locked in for nine, ten hours, and still had the adrenaline sort of coursing through my veins that night where I really couldn't sleep. And I got up on Friday and it's probably the most feedback I've ever gotten from anything I've ever written. And so it was kind of overwhelming and I had rehab and um, Lauren Campbell left for a girls weekend and Carson wasn't here. And I'd been on the phone with, uh, I think Richard cross. We were talking about, he was kind of getting ready for his broadcast and we were talking about the Wakefield story. And someone sent me a 
text about Carl Weathers. I didn't know. I had not been on Twitter for the last couple of hours. And man, I don't, it was like, it was like someone reached in and took a piece of my childhood and just lit it on fire. I was, I was stunned at how kind of like, I guess I was already kind of emotional and it just, man, it hit me hard. Just, I, cause I remember, unlike you, cause I'm older, I remember as a 12 year old waiting in line, Rustin had a, at the time there were two, there was a movie, one movie theater showed two movies at a time. Yeah. We had one of those two twin cinema. And, yeah. And so the line to get into Rocky three, if you wanted to get into Rocky three, it was sort of like, if you wanted a student ticket the other day, man, you, you, you had to, you had to commit <laughs> a little time. And after that movie, man, I was ready to fight. I was ready to fight Marvin Hagler right there. I, I, whoever I was ready to go. I was, I was ready to run through a wall. And that was the best, like that one of my, like, if you ask me to remember a, a, a movie theater experience, that's probably the one that comes to mind. And Rocky three wasn't a great movie. The end of it was awesome, but it's not a great time, film. No, I mean, no, no, no. Rocky Balboa and, and Apollo Creed, man, they were, they were bigger than life. I mean, it was just such a, I guess props to Sly because he was the writer. Those are two great names in a movie. I mean, you even started it right there. Apollo Creed and Rocky Balboa. You're like, I'm in. It's awesome. I'm good. Awesome. Go ahead. And Clubber Lane. In. But, you know, like Rocky Three that night, that was the first time that you went from, man, I hate Apollo Creed. We, we're trying to beat Apollo Creed to, oh, Apollo Creed's this great dude. Mm-hmm. You know, and I mean... He's remaking Rocky and running on the beach and all that stuff. And I know whatever people can make fun, but man, as a 12 year old kid, that was, that was phenomenal. Nobody can go to the most clumsy, unathletic human to a specimen faster than Rocky Balboa. Like a week and a half and he's got my agility and then he turns into Marvin Hagler in like a week and a half. It's the damnedest thing you've ever seen every time. Can't jump yeah. rope at all. Doesn't know what to do. And Adrian goes win. Suddenly he's just—I mean, we're we're rolling. Well, in that scene at the end of that of Rocky Three, you know, where he says, uh, you know, it's a shame we got to get old, or exactly however he says it. That that stood the test of time. That scene did because it really resonated on Friday. Mm-hmm. It's a shame you got to get old. A little bit of a. This is for. I think I think this is actually maybe interesting to people beyond me and you, but um, I haven't explained. I haven't. You and I have not mentioned this. So I was curious for a couple different reasons, which I don't have to get into at the moment. But our field, journalists, everybody's on Twitter so much, and we talk about it being a tool for putting people back to the site and linking and all that. And I still think it's important. I think putting links are there, and you might as well because nothing else. But the analytics have. I've been looking at him a little more on social media, Neil. So Xavier Rebus, again, tears his UCL. Uh, had a story pre-written because I knew the answer. But when Mike confirmed it, I published it when I was walking over to basketball on Saturday afternoon. And as of this morning, that tweet, Xavier Rebus tore his UCL on Friday, is out for the season, he's expected, blah, 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 with a link. Put the story link in there. It has been seen on Twitter 252,000 times, Okay. Okay. Do you know how many people clicked the link 
of those 252,000? Oh, God. Uh, one out of every 20? 392. Of 252,000. What are the analytics on my Wakefield story? Do you know? Uh, as of yesterday, I, I don't. I know the total number of views was like somewhere around fifty thousand. Um, Who had actually on, clicked the link? Th- that was the story analytics period, not on Twitter. Yes, that oh, was like okay. the actual story analytics uh, that I found out of our Chartbeat account. My tweet on it from the other night. Hold on, real quick, and I'll tell Thurs- you Thursday night. That. Yeah, that is correct. Um. Let's see. Let me find it. One second. Here we go. Uh, analytics. It has been viewed 123,000 times and has 5,078 clicks off Twitter. Yeah. So 3%, mm. 3.5% clicks. Just unbelievable. Nobody clicks. Nobody reads. So if you think you're going to Twitter and really moving content, good luck, bud. Thanks. They either in, they either ingest your content organically from the site or wherever they want to be participating, or they don't. Unless it is something stupid viral, and even then, if you give them any information at all in the tweet, they're they're cool. That's enough. I don't know. It's almost making me try to figure out how to re-engineer writing the tweets a little bit. I'm kind of running it through in my head as time goes on. So to try to get people to click. Well, I mean, you're not going to, but you can probably improve it a little bit. But you have to give away nothing. And that is the counter opposite of what most people do. So, just interesting. I don't. Oh, know. it's 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 fascinating. Yeah. So, just a quick note there. Xavier Rivas' story went from two hundred fifty-two thousand views to three hundred clicks off uh, off social media. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess Robert, Jay Robertson makes a point. Now that X has rev share, the money is posting the content there. You're literally trying to generate. It's why a lot of people are trying to ignite fights with some of their tweets because they technically get credit for any conversation that goes below their tweet from a rev share money standpoint because you can get revenue back from Twitter for whatever you produce as long as you fit a couple different criteria um, there on the uh, on the site. So, anyway. That's where that goes. Uh, we'll talk some Chancellor stuff tomorrow. Um, I met I met with Glenn Boyce on Friday. That podcast up at MPW Digital. But a few things from that I wanted to expound on and uh, and talk about as the week moves on as well. And then obviously we'll have South Carolina Ole Miss tomorrow night. Some Super Bowl stuff because it's coming up on Sunday. Um, I saw Mike Freeman of USA Today. He apologized to all the Swifties this morning and said that. It is actually true love, and he was wrong uh, with Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift. Oh, really? Yeah, he has a column on that this morning. So, Well, that's good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It would be somewhat, I mean, as cynical as we all are, it would be somewhat disappointing if you found out it was all a scam. Well, I agree with that, sure. Yeah. And yes, Pocket Watch, people do still read, for sure. You just have to find them. I mean, yes. Bookstores stay in business for a reason. So it's hard to get young. Younger people don't read as much, though. I don't think they they consume differently. Look, I'm know. I'm part of the problem because I would rather hold a book, and I'm the guy who wishes I had a newspaper delivered to my house every morning. I read on a Kindle and I listen to audiobooks. Is what it is. 
I can't do the audiobook thing. I've kind of tried a little. I need to try again. I don't know that I drive. I think if I drove more, I would listen to audiobooks. I do it just doing chores around the house. I'm like washing dishes or laundry or whatever, and it's just kind of... I don't run to them because I don't want to take my phone on my run. But if I'm just kind of around... But you got to be able to listen. You can't be doing nine other things that are taking your, your time. That's why I started like, with self-help books, because they, it sounds like podcasts. And then I've graduated into some fiction as time has gone on. Laura watched the Grammys last night, and I'd limp in there a little bit sometimes. I, I, I have no idea who that is. Don't care. Don't know who that is. Don't care. I, I, I didn't even know it was on until this morning, and I saw that uh, Taylor had dominated the evening, apparently. I sat in here, and I watched Thunder Raptors, which went to double overtime, and call, and texted basically texted and DM'd recruits. Those stories up at RollGrove.com as well on the 2025 signing class. Yeah. Very no- notable key class there as we move through the. Uh, yeah, it's it's really de- it's really depressing. Um, yeah. Just to be honest. So not I hate not that. today's. I hate that number. I hate writing it. I've, yeah. I've learned to hate it. Not a, not the conversation for today. Yeah, as we close, Jay, you are right. I, I did see that on Twitter. The Tracy Chapman Luke uh, Luke Combs fast car crossover was good last night. I will give him yeah. that. That was that. Was I got great. called into the room when that happened, and it was legitimately really good. Yeah, she's she's a legend. So she she did that by the way. Didn't have uh didn't have the little earpiece thingy. Mm-hmm. Just no no lip sync. That was just, just her. Just singing the song without the and, and I mean look a lot of the people who are awesome don't get me wrong they they, they use the thing to be able to hear so that because there's a lot of outside noise and acoustics and not her she just no auto yeah fix say no auto tune there we're just singing like it's yeah it's, and, and 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 he's very talented also he is. All right, rebelgrove.com, a lot of content, as we said. And then tomorrow, Chancellor Talk, some Super Bowl stuff. Uh, we'll talk more basketball and then anything that goes on in football, as always, as that is going to be the focus of the next months leading up to the 2024 football season. So uh, thanks for buying the stream, as always, and wherever you listen. Thanks for supporting all of our sponsors, and we'll talk to you again tomorrow. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.